Now's your chance to get the last of the Resolution Radio Blood Tees. Only a few left available before we try to do a reorder. This has been a high-selling item, and we really appreciate everyone's support in getting this shirt and showing their pride as well as showing their heritage. Nothing counts more than blood. Get yours today from Resolution Radio. Only $25 plus $5 shipping and handling. It really helps the network improve, and you really get a great product to showcase what you truly believe in. Nothing counts more than blood. Only from Resolution Radio at ResolutionRDO.com. Send check, money order, or well-concealed cash to Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. That's Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Adding to the disclaimer that opinions of a host and of the guests of any particular show shall not affect the radio network as a whole. We reserve all ability and freedom of speech from all participants involved, including callers, and if you're offended, tough shit. Thank you, Resolution Radio. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com There is no reasonable level of anti-Semitism. Nordic resistance movement are present. Greetings, comrades, and Merry Yule to you all. So, looks like this is the end of the year 2022, and what a year it has been. Fantastic, with chaotic nibbles raping and trannies grooming. But also, there has been a lot of love for the white race looming. Booming? I don't know. This is not a rhyme. So in closing this year, I thought you deserve something really special. Something you've been yearning for like crazy. No, it is not total Aryan victory. We'll have to work on that in the coming year. Now I thought that I would publish the speech that I held at the PA event earlier this year. The speech is about my political journey. Well, one version of my political journey, as I've told the story many times. But it's also coupled with what the Nordic Resistance Movement is and what our aspirations are. So I hope you enjoy this, comrade, and I hope that I see you in the new year. Thank you very much, Steve. Okay. <clears throat> Patriotic Alternative works with ethno-nationalists worldwide. Our next speaker comes from Sweden, a land that is suffering under the same yoke of multiculturalism that we do here. In fact, in some aspects, they suffer in a much more severe manner. He is the host of the Nordic Frontier podcast, which is one of the largest and most listened to nationalist podcasts on the internet at the moment. He and his colleagues at the Nordic Resistance actively supported PA with our White Lives Matter initiatives. And they are incredibly active doing very similar things that we do across Sweden and Norway and Denmark and even in Iceland. And they have even contested, as we hope to do in the future, elections in Sweden. Can you please give a good, warm British welcome to Andreas Johansson?
Thank you very much. I'd like to start with thanking Mark and Patriotic Alternative for inviting me here. It's a great honor to be here to represent the Nordic resistance movement. Sorry, I'm a bit short. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to say something about Mark to start off with. He, uh, he has this way of uh, giving his guests on PWR very grandiose introductions where he butters them up and makes them feel all fuzzy inside and, uh, you know, makes them blush. So I thought I would say something about Mark before I start. And uh, I've always, I've been following his work for quite some time. Uh, he's been making these uh, shorter videos on YouTube for many years, uh, explaining topics very, uh, very well, uh, conclusive, and uh, I've always been impressed by this, uh, this skill of uh, giving a beginning, a middle, and an end to a topic, to cement the meaning of it into people's minds. And I think this has been uh, very successful for him. And it's also a skill that, uh, well, I lack, <laughs> to be honest. So I always get impressed by people that can just write long articles on a topic, and it is very cohesive. You can see from beginning to end. I'm more of a scatterbrain myself. I, uh, I have this creative chaos in my head and have a really hard time putting it down on paper. So when uh, Mark asked me to come here, he asked if uh, I wanted to give a speech. And of course, I'm here to represent. I'm going to give you something. But I'm not a, a great speaker. I'm not a speech writer. So what I thought I would do is give you a little story about myself, my journey, and also explaining what the Nordic Resistance Movement is, and also a little bit about and why that's important to us. So starting off, my name is actually Andreas Holmvall which uh, sounds like homo, but it's not. It's not. Uh, <laughs> and when I started the podcast, I, uh, I chose the name Andreas Johansson because that's my father's name. I could have been named Andreas Johansson. And it's, you know, I wasn't doxxed. I wasn't an official person, so that's how it started off. And that's how you know the name from my podcast. Uh, how many in here have uh, listened to The Nordic Frontier? If you raise a hand. You can see who's got homework to do. <laughs> uh, there's a few people out there. Yeah, I'm going to be doing these polls so I can see what you're up to. But, um, yeah, so I'm from Sweden. I'm a member of the Nordic Resistance Movement. I'm a husband, and I have three children. And, uh, yeah, me and my wife just celebrated 10 years married uh, the other day. Thank you. And, uh, and we have been together for 14 years, and it feels very crazy. And that's part of the story that I was going to tell. But I do believe that strong families that stay together is very important, and I think that it's one of the biggest tragedies that we have today. As the migrant question and everything else aside is our broken families. In Sweden, it is the norm to, to be a broken family and to have weekend fathers so a lot of people are missing, I think, especially the masculine role model in their lives. But nonetheless, they should be together with loving parents. And that's why I think watching people like Laura and Sam and uh, Mark Collett being role models for your movement, raising a family, and showing that it's impo not impossible, that it's possible to do that even under this incredible pressure of being a nationalist in a white country. So that's uh, a really good role models you have for your movement. After that, I am uh, Nordic, Swedish, 100% uh, ginger phenotype. <laughs> Although I'm lacking a little bit at the front at the moment, I'm growing a mustache to make up for it. <laughs> so it's uh, a new project. And uh, I was thinking where to start uh, about my political journey because I grew up very unpolitical, even though Sweden, you know it as a very liberal, uh, social democratic hellhole. Uh, I was never engaged in any of that. I was uh, kind of an outsider when it comes to the mainstream 
culture. I never liked the mainstream culture. I always was part of uh, what I called the alternative then, but you know, look at us now. This is the true alternative. So I was never political. So I was thinking, where did it start for me to start thinking about organizing politically and thinking about my people? And it's somewhere on a beach in Australia. I settled the starting point where I was homeless and uh, I was broke and I was uh, a peace-loving hippie. And somewhere here, the ascent would begin. And I think that the ascent began with me meeting my wife on that beach one sunny day. It's a lot of sunny days in Australia, but it was one of these sunny days that we met and started our journey together. And we traveled the country for about two years. We bought a car and drove around, and we experienced what Australia was like. And I don't know if you heard about these people, the aboriginals in Australia. They're very special people. And if you're in Australia, you're going to run into these people. And this is one of my first uh, real encounters with, uh, uh, I would say, native, uh, non-white race. Because I grew up on the countryside away from diversity. I didn't go to school with non-whites at all. Maybe some adopted uh, Thai people. But living with aboriginals for a few months, I lived with the so-called Siriabos. They're the, the absolute uh, yeah, crazy people. <laughs> Not, uh, there's a reason why they are the way they are. I do have a respect for their native culture, their uh, being out there in the wild, in the, uh, in the desert, able to survive. I did have a respect for that. And when they get into our society, they're not built to live like us. They cannot handle it. A lot of the times they become alcoholics and drug addicts, and they become downright uh, dangerous to be around. So I had this contrast between the both different aboriginals, but also living with these people, not understanding why are they so crazy? Why aren't they like me? Because I can drink, I can do drugs without killing people and being crazy. And uh, traveling around Australia and getting the Australian perspective on them, it started to dawn to me that these people have lived with the aboriginals for hundreds of years. And especially on the countryside, they are quite honest about what they think about them. In the mainstream media, not so much. But it's somewhere there that I start thinking about this stuff. And after traveling for almost two years and working on the countryside, I had this innate urge to return to home. Because I was settled on, I was settled, I was deciding to move to Australia at some point. But after two years, I didn't feel at home. And I started thinking about moving back to my parents' house and where I grew up and what it was that I was missing. So after those months, I, uh, we decided to save up a lot of money and uh, get back home and get settled in the Nordic forests. And I can't describe the feeling when I stepped off the plane and felt the smell of the pine trees. This is something that I'd been without for two years, and I didn't know that I was missing it. I was only thinking about the Swedish sausage when I was in Australia. You couldn't get a decent sausage over there. It's horrible. So when I felt that, I felt that this is home. This is where I want to be. So me and my wife, we, after a lot of work, of course, took years, but uh, we acquired a house and moved into the forest, literally, and we now live, uh, you know, where I want to be forever. doesn't matter what happens. This is where I'm going to stay until I die. And it's kind of part of, uh, it's part of nationalism. And it's something, being abroad as well is, um, I'm going to say it like this. The leftists and the anti-racists, they will ask you, but what is white anyway? What's a Swedish person anyway? And you're, sometimes you're left dumbfounded. How am I going to, uh, articulate this in a very short sentence. It's impossible. But the ethnicity of Swedish is what I'm missing when I'm in another country. It doesn't matter if it's a white country. I can hang out with you people. You're very nice people. 
but you're not Swedish. I'm going to feel like, well, I'm not at home. This is England, even though it's a nice place. So that's something that I also felt being abroad. When, you f when I uh, met a Swedish person, we felt this uh, connection straight away. I didn't even like them. They were horrible people. <laughs> we used to go out drinking together and they were assholes. But we, we, could, we could relate to each other in a racial way. I didn't understand that at the time, but I, I appreciate it now when I reflected on it, that uh, the ethnicity is what you're missing when you're around strangers, even though it's your, your racial kin. So when I got home from Australia, I had these uh, hippie friends that had discovered the YouTube rabbit holes that you might be familiar with. And they started sharing clips with me with all kinds of crazy things. And this sent me on a journey of uh, educating myself in the true alternative. Because I thought I was alternative and cool, but this stuff was literally crazy. It's anything from the moon landing to the chemtrails to the lizard people to everything. I've been down all the rabbit holes. And uh, for a while there I was looking for the Illuminati, but I never found them. <laughs> so at some point I was listening to an English-speaking podcast uh, it's called The Solar Storm, if you're familiar with that, run by Kyle Hunt, uh, probably one of the first uh, people that would start calling us Duganist, I think. So we're not on good terms anymore, but I used to really look up to them because he had really good things to say about them, and uh, I don't think you're allowed to even mention his name. But, you know, so I used to listen to a lot to them, and he was talking about a Swedish group he said, Nordfront over there, they're pretty cool, they're doing good work. And I'm like, Swedish group? Never heard of it. My entire life living in Sweden, never heard of it. So I looked up the website and started reading uh, on Nordfront.se, which is the Swedish language uh, news website of the Nordic resistance movement. And uh, I found out that I, I agreed with basically everything on that website. This is exactly what I've been looking for. And what they started to articulate that I didn't have in my mind is that the Illuminati, the globalist, this network that is anti-white originates in a certain people that, you know, you might be aware of. Uh, they rhyme with shoes. We don't talk about it. Okay. It's, yeah. <laughs> because the thing is, what, what I found interesting at the time was that Okay, here's a, a group of people that are anti-white in our societies, and they've made it basically illegal to talk about them. Isn't this the most brilliant plan of all time? Isn't this the, the best self-defense you can ever have? So that made me even more curious, because I'm that kind of guy that if I'm not allowed to do something, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So I contacted these people, and I was recruited into the Nordic Resistance Movement. This is in uh, 2016 that I became a member. And uh, a lot of stuff was happening with the Nordic Resistance Movement back then. We had just launched our uh, political party. We running run for elections in Sweden. More on that later. I have some summary on that. But... Uh, we had these demonstrations that we organized. And I went on my first demonstration in 2016. The headline was, or the, the banner was, start the, close the borders and start the repatriation. That was our headline. And we gathered people under our own banner, about 700 people under our own banner, in the capital of Sweden, and we marched in parliament and held speeches outside parliament. And this has uh, since uh, set very deep, uh, I don't know, tracks, I don't know what to call it, in me that this is what we need to be doing. This is how we fight the, the global order. And it was really interesting to see that so many people at that time would go under our banner for something that is very important to us. And I feel like it should be important for all the nationalists is that not only is it important to close the borders from the third world, but also start sending these people home because they are outbreeding us in our own countries. So no matter if we close the borders now, it's too many people anyway.
So in the movement, I'm an activist, and this means that I uh, adhere to the code of being an activist. We have an activist handbook that uh, has a philosophy that we should adhere to. We also have physical tests each year. You have to go through and pass a certain amount of them in order to be able to be called an activist. Uh, I'm in charge of propaganda for the movement. I run a, a media group that handles video, photo, graphic design, but also radio. And uh, I am a podcaster. I run the podcast Nordic Frontier every week. And uh, it has been um, very interesting work. The, the thing about Nordic Frontier, how it came to be, and it was basically after that first demonstration in 2016, is that... I felt such a high of being among so many people that felt like me. And you could finally speak openly about these things to these people. But we didn't have an international presence at the time. We didn't have an international website. We didn't have anyone internationally representing us, except for a few trips that we'd done abroad. So I wanted to start a podcast because I was very um, inspired by other uh, English-speaking podcasts like The Daily Show. Uh, and Red Eyes, you know, I used to listen to a lot of that stuff, still do it to this day. So I wanted to do something similar, but what we talk about is uh, everything from the Nordic resistance movement's point of view, with national socialism in mind, without LARPing, you know. And uh, from there, I have uh, talked to a lot of people from around the world. I think it's very important that uh, we keep this a globalist nationalist struggle. Like we need to connect with other nationalists in other countries and be in good terms with each other for the day that we're going to need each other, need each other's support. So that's why I'm also happy about being here. And uh, I'm also a, a vice uh, nest chief in, uh, in my local nest, which is the regional area. So I do a lot of organizing with our guys over there activities. So I do know what it takes to be an organizer. Um, yeah. So back to what I was going to say about Mark, being an organizer and having these uh, armchair uh, uh, opinionators on the internet. You've probably seen them. They send you clips and stuff. They send me clips exposing Mark every week <laughs> about the latest the Duganist take or whatever uh, and saying, oh, look this clip, this contradicts that clip. And there's a few of these individuals on the internet that make a difference, or not on the internet, that people in, in nationalist politics that make a difference, they do get a lot of flack because they're out there with their face and they're trying to do something good. And... I always dismiss these clips as uh, people either being misinformed and being naive, maybe a little bit stupid, or they're just fed operations trying to spread misinform misinformation. Because I judge people by the fruit of their labor. And when I look around this room at you people, and I look at the organization PA and uh, this event, I think that we're all here because of Mark's work. I am, anyway, I can say that. So this whole thing, I think, is uh, the fruits of Mark's labor. And uh, yeah, I'd like to give him a warm welcome, uh, <laughs> applause, sorry, for, for doing that. Because it is a lot of work, and you're putting your life on the line. When you're putting your face out there and being pro-white, it's the absolute most dangerous thing you can do, except jumping off a cliff, I think. So how many people here know about the Nordic Resistance Movement? Is it just because I'm here, or did you know <laughs> beforehand? Uh, so I was going to tell you a little bit about what we do, and I have some official statements here. What is the Nordic Resistance Movement? We are a revolutionary activist organization and a registered party. 
we are revolutionary as we do not just want to reform society, uh, the society we live in today, but create something completely different. As such, we do not wish for the Nordics to revert to what it once were in the past, but to seek to bring about radical change and establish something new and improved. We are not as we are wholeheartedly, we wholeheartedly profess ourselves to this ideology, do not wish to be labeled as anything else. You might have heard the label Nazi. We don't use that unless we're joking around. So we regard as a complete worldview which can solve all of a man's problems and meet all its needs, both spiritually and materially. In addition, promotes a fellowship with one's people and an understanding that genetics provide us with deeper communal bond than other social factors. That's what I was just explaining earlier. We are an activist organization as we do not just, we are not just a party that stands for election, but our organization that fight, we are an organization that fights extra parliamentary on all conceivable fronts to achieve our goals. We do have a parliamentary branch and we stood for elections in 2018 and also now in 2022, but this is in no way the core of our activities. We are a civil legal resistance movement. The resistance movement is not a loose network, a social group or a think tank. We have an internal power structure which management positions and set responsibilities. The Nordic resistance movement was founded in Sweden in 1997 so it's 25 years old uh, today. We celebrated earlier this year and has grown steadily ever since. We have also been established in Norway and Finland, although we were banned in Finland because, uh, well, people say that we were labeled a terrorist organization, and that's not true. It was uh, some really fine wording in what it means to run an organization, and they said that we broke good customs, and that's how, we, how they got us because... We had a website that had been demeaning to non-whites and talking about the Jewish question. Even though those things aren't technically illegal in Finland, running an organization based on that, well, somehow they made that work and stick. And uh, now we are banned in Finland. Uh, we, have, we are also established in Denmark and uh, in Iceland. And uh, yeah, we have a uh, group in Iceland. And uh, our goal is to have all countries. Uh, continuing here, our ambition is eventually to exist in all Nordic countries and perhaps also in the Baltics. In all the countries in which we are established, we are part of one and the same Nordic, pan-Nordic organization. The organization is open to all sections of the population who are upstanding and willing to do their duty. However, it is not our priority to mass recruit people, but rather recruit the right people. We set demands and we expect results. So what does the Nordic resistance movement do, you might wonder? At present, the organization's foremost public-facing aim is to spread propaganda to the people. And when we say propaganda, we use that term because it is media that is meant to persuade people to our point of view. And we don't shy away from that. That's what we do, because we believe that what we do is the right thing. As we recruit activists with quality in mind, and the main intention of this activism is not to persuade large sections of the population to join us, but rather to ensure that they have a positive image of the resistance movement and national socialism, so that they will vote for us or support us when we do gain power. As part of this work, we also, aim, uh, we also aim to be able to replace current system, systems public services with our own alternatives when society fails the people. Street patrols in unsafe areas, we distribute food, food to the homeless and uh, things of that nature to show people that the system is failing us, but we are there for them. And we do it for our racial kin. We also spread propaganda via our websites and accommodating media, TV, radio channels, as well as leaflets, stickers, placards, banners, demonstrations, rallies, speeches, and more. 
We also work consistently to raise the quality of the activists in our organization, partly via strengthening them as individuals, physically, psychologically, and intellectually, and partly via welding them together as a group and preparing that group for all possible challenges, which may come our way in the future. This improvement in quality is achieved via physical exercise, study circles, outdoor activities, and various forms of educational instructions. So we have physical um, exercises weekly uh, within the, the different local areas. We also have excursions into nature to learn how to live without as little as possible and to train your mind to live without comfort. Uh, comfort kills, and it's important to be comfortable being uncomfortable, so to speak. Like uh, going out and sleeping in minus 15 degrees is, uh, can be pretty harsh, especially when you haven't eaten for a whole day. So that summarizes what we do and uh, brings about the topic of which I will also talk about in a little bit. But we also have a, our political program, which is called Our Path. Has anyone in here read Our Path? <laughs> One person. Nice. Well, then I'm going to educate you. So in Our Path, which is our political manifesto available on our website, nordicresistancewomen.org, we have nine points, the nine virtues. So the first point is immediately stop mass immigration. Repatriation of the majority of all who are not of Northern European or closely related descent is to begin as soon as possible. They are to be returned to their respective countries of origin or neighboring regions in the most humane way possible. And this is what I spoke about earlier, is that it's not enough to just close the borders. Repatriation and very large repatriation will need to be done. And I think in Sweden, uh, thinking about the, the election just gone past, it was a very popular talking point. This thing of, they call it um, re-wandering in Swedish, like the re-wandering home, I guess. And uh, fighting the, the criminality that we have in Sweden as well. These things will be solved. Uh, because there are certain uh, people that are responsible for most of it. But this question of race, when we talk about who's going to be re repatriated, obviously we're going to do it because we want to preserve our race. And this is the white Nordic peoples that we talk about. And it's sensitive for some people. And there's a lot of uh, parties that come up with elaborate ways of explaining this without mentioning race. They want to deport the criminals. They want to, you know, well, that's basically as that they say. And even so, in Sweden, they don't even deport the criminals. We have people that have been convicted to be deported that are free to just roam the country and disappear. So their rhetoric is very harsh, uh, but they don't do anything about it. And we have parties like the Sweden Democrats, for example, you might have heard the news that they got uh, over 20% of the vote, the Swedish people, in this election. And they're still not in government. And even so, even if they were the majority, they don't have any actual plan of starting the repatriation. What they want to do is to make sure that everyone integrates as you know humanely as possible instead of uh, the simple answer. So when it comes to the topic of race, it is one thing that distinguishes us from other movements. And it's also something that we also look, for, look at when we look at other political organizations that pop up in different parties, is that are they honest about race and their intentions, or are they trying to be something that they're not? Number two. By all available means, with a long-term perspective, work to regain power from the global Zionist elites who have economically and militarily occupied the greater part of our world. And I'm sure you're familiar with uh, the expression Zog. That's basically what we're talking about. Well, you could summarize it by saying that we are living in white countries that are not run by white countries. <laughs> white people, sorry. 
that the politicians that are elected aren't actually making the decisions that are impacting our lives. And we want to change that. We want to be in charge of our own countries. I don't think it's much to ask, but obviously it's a great hassle. We're going to work, work towards it. Number three, together with the remaining Nordic countries, create a self-sufficient Nordic nation with a joint army, currency and central bank, and universal laws and rules. This will necessitate an immediate withdrawal from the European Union and any other similar anti-Nordic coalitions, such as NATO. Sweden is just about to join NATO. So this is about uh, our, uh, our vision of coming together and uh, joining the countries together in one national socialist republic, and also having a central bank. I'm sure you have uh, done a lot of research on who runs the banks as well. Same guys. So um, we want to create our own money for our own people. And uh, well, in our party program, we would, for example, uh, cut interest. And we would have a, a withdrawal fee from the banks. Instead of trying to make money out of nothing, we want to use the money to produce for our people and keep it in, in motion. It's supposed to be a currency, a current that goes down into the bank and all that stuff. No. So that's how we want to change the system. And we also want to have universal laws that's the same for the whole Nordic region. And we want to get rid of the EU. And I know you have left the EU, haven't you? <laughs> I don't know if you, you got... Yeah, I don't know if you got what you voted for. So I don't know. But obviously we don't like the EU. And as a, as a EU member... We are putting in more than we're getting out of it. You can say that, at least. Uh, I think they were saying we put in uh, 55 billion Swedish kroner and we get out something like 15 billion. I mean, and we're just giving it to... It's, it's literally communism for Europe. It's just redistributing the wealth to places that uh, aren't producing as much in that way. But they also have... Um, laws in our countries that we haven't signed on to. They're forcing us to take migrants... You know, and now we're talking about lowering. <laughs> Sweden is talking about lowering the the quota of uh, asylum seekers to the lowest EU level. So apparently, we just had our own level up until this point. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, so we have uh, next point. Uh, establish a powerful government with a strong oversight by the people. Positions of leadership will be awarded based on competence. And the first and foremost goal of the government will be to work for the good of the people and their preservation. The right to freedom of speech will be extensive and protected. And this is basically a merit-based authoritarian state that we want to create. Our mass media will be owned by citizens of the no new Nordic nation, both foreign and domestic media, acting in a manner hostile to the Nordic people, will have the possibility of being banned. A domination of media by any individual or conglomeration must be corrected. And this is a little bit about freedom of speech. Uh, we have hate speech laws in Sweden, which make it impossible to criticize people in power without getting into trouble. But we want it to be the other way around. If you're, being, if you're organizing against what is best for the Nordic people, you should be punished. You should be banned from saying things on the internet and so forth. So I had an example when it comes to the media that uh, has a certain ownership. But I can uh, do it a little bit quicker. So in 2016, we had a lady called Anna Hagvall. She was a, part, uh, she was a member of the Sweden Democrats at the time. She put in a motion in Parliament... Uh, about the overrepresentation of uh, ownership by the family Bonnier, which also wear funny hats. And uh, she had found out, she was shocked, that 80% of the media in Sweden is owned by the one and the same family. And this is across the board when it comes to TV and the printed media. And she put in this motion where she said, 80% of the Swedish media is owned and controlled by one and the same family. The Bonnier family. This is not acceptable. There needs to be a wider spread in the ownership of the media by smaller independent companies and people. To accomplish this, I suggest that the subsidy for Bonnier media 
is withdrawn. So not only do they own it all, but they also get paid by the state to run it, which is just a perfect deal for them. So she questioned this out of the blue. She just found this and thought that, wow, I'm bringing this <laughs> to everyone's attention. This is great. She was rewarded by being kicked out of the party, like the following day, basically. So she became like a political wild one in parliament for a while, and then she quit politics because, well, that wasn't appreciated. So we, we tried to contact her because what she basically said is exactly what we say about the media. So we thought that she would be interested in uh, joining us. But yeah, it, it's interesting sometimes you see these people that just want to do good and they find the truth somewhere and then they're being punished for saying it to everyone. So that's some, a thing about their overrepresentation. I know I'm a bit strapped for time here, but I want to bring this one in about the Bonnier family because I did a, a, a wiki. I've had this on the show previously. But the Bonnier family, what you can find on the wiki is very sparse. It's not much information. But what it says is that a name, a, gay, a guy named Gutkind Hirschel, he moved from Germany to Denmark in 1801. And here he changed his name to Gerhard Bonnier. Now, I don't know why you would want to do that, but he did. So then he proceeded to start a library, a bookshop, and also a publishing business. Gerhard's son, Adolf, moved from, oh, Adolf, <laughs> moved from Denmark to Gothenburg, Sweden, to expand the family business, and he opened a library there as well. And in 1837, he started the Albert Bonnier Publishing Company. And his two sons moved to Stockholm to expand even more. And there the story goes. So from the 1837, where he started Albert Bonnier Publishing, owning nothing of the Swedish media, they now own 80%. And they are responsible for printing a lot of dictionaries and uh, uh, what's it called lexicons that have been used in schools and universities for literally 150 years. And uh, this is just one family's... Uh, business that they have been running. I think it's pretty crazy. So you can look at your own ownership in your own country. Maybe you can draw some conclusions. I'm sure you have some interesting finds. Number six, create a modern society living in harmony with the laws of nature. Our animal, animal protection laws will be developed in emphasis on ethics as opposed to profits. Nature and all its resources will be utilized using common sense and with future generations in mind right of public access will be preserved and protected. So this is taking back the green movement from the delusional left that just wants to destroy. We want to preserve our nature, and we want to live in harmony with nature. Number seven, establish a national socialist society where resources are distributed in such a way that benefits all people, both strong and weak, and where everybody has the opportunity to reach their fullest potential. A social welfare safety net shall be put in place, entrusting people with both rights and obligations. The state will control all fundamental infrastructure of public interest, as controlling them would require a level of responsibility greater than that of private, what a private company can reliably deliver. A spirit of entrepreneurship and innovation will be encouraged. That's based on the merit principle. Number eight, reinstate national compulsory military service increase and expand all branches of the armed forces. All those who have completed their army military service will retain their weapons and equipment. Every citizen's citizen should be able to contribute to the defense of the nation, both external and domestic. And this is also very foreign to Swedes today. Uh, you are allowed to own weapons, but only if you have a hunting license, and using the weapon is only for hunting. You cannot use it for self-defense. You can't use it for anything else. So we will have a population that is trained to handle weapons and have a culture that's positive to handling weapons. And we also have the, the compulsory military service, which will basically mean that people that want to pursue an academic career, they will have to do army service first so that they have something uh, when they go in there. Uh, Yes. Number nine, establish a constitutional state where all citizens are equal in the eyes of the law. Educated lawyers will judge in Nordic courts. A people's court, a jury-style court, 
will be created for trying serious cases of treason against the people. And that's what we all dream about, people having, you know, being punished for the treason that they have done to our people. It's been uh, far too long. I wanted to say a few things about the anarcho-tyranny that is currently going on. I know you have it yourself. We have harassment from other political dissidents. And it's uh, risky to do what we do. But some things that are going on in our country is, for example, my own case that I had a few years ago was for memes on the internet. Uh, a few pictures that I posted. They accused me of posting. I don't know who posted it. But one of the pictures that I think is really interesting is uh, a screenshot from uh, Twitter where a Jewish person is first saying that he's white, complaining about white privilege and how disgusting white people are. And then later on on the timeline, he says, back off, I'm Jewish. you know. And I put them two together and I... Uh, tweeted, or it was on vk.com actually, I, I reposted it with hashtag Jewish Crypsis. And that was enough to go to court for. And what's interesting is that that's exactly what it is. It's them pretending to be both and benefiting from both uh, ethnicities, which is uh, crazy. Uh, another one, in short, is what we go through with Nordfront.se, which is our news website. We have a we have a responsible publisher that's responsible for everything that's published on the website. So we have to watch our language and how we express ourselves in the articles and in our radio and TV. And they basically take the hit. And then you have leftists that sit and watch our material and they meticulously write down everything we say until they find something. Oh my God, this I can put. And then they have a long list of new words that they add to the hate speech law every year. And uh, literally, if you're going to be, uh, it's sad to say, but if they've found something and you're being accused of it and they've taken it to court, they have already decided that this was illegal. So uh, I, I think it's very important that we don't go get ahead of ourselves and start censoring ourselves unnecessarily. But they will always attack you no matter what word you use for non-whites or Jewish people or whoever you want to talk about that's controversial, they're going to use that then, and they're going to pull you to court. So have a backbone and take the struggle when it comes to you. Then we have... Uh, oh, these are long stories. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I will finish my ramblings. I thought this was the podcast. We do three hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can say this I know why I'm here I know why I'm here and I hope you're here for the same reason I'm here because I have an innate love for my own people and like was stated earlier in another speech it is a tragedy to see what's happening to our people so it is so important that we give it our all, and we fight for our people. And for these people, we will walk through fire, we will get arrested for hate speech, we might get arrested for doing a banner drop or demonstrations. We have to fight for what is right. So, we will uh, do that. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com When a beer commercial, everyone's happy and they're jumping around in there or whatever. The thing is, is they not only have appealing activities, they have appealing people out there too. You know, you see beer commercials and it's done with natural water and it's cold brewed or heat pasteurized and all that kind of stuff. They make it sound more like a health food almost, but they never show the hangovers or alcoholism or anything like that. And then in reality, you're happy and then you're vomiting in the bathroom 
and then you're waking up sick the next morning with a really bad headache. Any person that says that, that beer is merely for recreational use is stupid because it's a form of alcohol. They just want your money. It's the people that sell the product that are getting the most out of it, not the people that use it. That's exactly what they're doing. They're all sell our beer and it doesn't matter what it takes, just sell it. No, they're not honest messages. They don't show the flip side of it, the results of alcohol. A public service message from The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You're listening to Resolution Radio. 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 ResolutionRDO.com Have we realized the assault against our lives? our liberties, our faith. To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q, The Calm Before the Storm, by a friend of Megagoria, The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q, The Calm Before the Storm, available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. 205-672-2000. Katie Armor raised the standard. Finally, AR500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight. Feeling lighter increases mobility and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game-changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now only at katiearmor.com, C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Come and take it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.